Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 44. Now, this week, we're going to be wrapping up our camera-centric conversation with a look into videography. And we're not going to get bogged down with the technical talk here, but we're going to talk about adding video to your brand's toolkit. And we're going to hit on the different styles and types of video the gear you might need for each of them, and also talk about some of the gear that we've added to our own toolkits over the last year that have changed the way that we've been shooting video. But before we get into it, we want to thank our new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week, Jarrett Luker, Andrew Gorvera, Joseph Nathan Kennedy. Thank you guys for joining. If you want to be part of the Patron Tribe, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit and get access to the after show and some other cool rewards. John, what is up, my man? (sighs) Boy, man. (laughs) <laughs> I'm over here. I'm in a cauldron of sadness. Not really sadness. Um, it's just been a struggle. So I, I, I'm currently, I'm very behind on things and I don't like getting that way. I'm, I'm behind on content for YouTube and for some sponsors. Um, and then it's, it's, I've just been playing a lot of catch up, man. I, uh, I hired a, I hired an assistant recently and getting her coached up has been taking up a good minute of my time. And then, you know, trying to crawl out of the, the backlog stuff. So, I'm uh I'm actually diving into a content specific project to get me out of the slump. I'm working on this Adirondack slump chair. Buster. Yeah, slump buster. Adirondack chair. If you guys have been seeing, I'm integrating some paracord. Um, it's been a learning process. I'm trying to do something that's kind of unique, but um, when it's cool when you're producing things for yourself or for content on how you don't have to feel as rushed in order to get it to a uh, client. So. That's been enjoyable. I'll be at Milwaukee um, the end of this week, so I'll be just getting back next week. So I'll just be playing a lot of catch-up. I'm in pure catch-up mode right now. Um, it's ridiculous. Today's May 1st. Where did this year start going? I know. Where uh, did the, but you you got to get out of the ketchup and into the mustard, man. It's all, it's all exciting. I hate mustard. We'll go with mayonnaise. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm chubby. I like mayonnaise. But, yeah, that's where I'm at, dude. But it, it's, you know what, it's... Uh, it's good to get back into one of the grounded things that this podcast is for us. You know, like we were recording on and off and then had like backed up a couple episodes back into the weekly grind of hopping on. Um, This is nice. That consistency, like I strive for those things. So let's uh let's crush this episode. I'm, I'm excited to get talking. And yeah, man, what do you got going on? You got that dresser going on, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I just finished up the, the dresser that came out last week. Uh, which funny because on the last podcast I said, oh, and this will have come out and uh, that podcast released today and my video has not released yet. So uh, I'm with you on the catch up thing, man. I got I got behind on a couple things and didn't get that out. But uh, I have been moving into a new project. So the whole I've, I've talked about it before and it's interesting. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll weave this in the conversation throughout, you know, the, the podcast later. Uh, but looking at the brand and where you're going with it and um, been trying to get into the, you know, the whole the fix this side of fix this bill that. So I'm doing a lot more home DIY things. I'm, I'm starting to try to integrate some of those. And uh, I'm going to refinish and repair our kids' play gym. So it's like one of those big structures, you know, uh, and that's going to be interesting. So I'll be out there 
power washing that bad boy, staining it, doing some uh, repairs <laughs> to the different things. Oh yeah, yeah it's uh, gonna be. Uh, I I don't want to I don't want to put a timeline on this one. So th- th- this one will probably take a while. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But it, it, it's interesting, you know, talking about like I said, finding your voice in the channel. I think one of the things what we want to do for you guys today is talk about adding video to your toolkit. So obviously for photography, that's pretty straightforward, pretty easy. Everybody understands the value of photography as a maker because you want to document what you've made. But a lot of times I think people stop there and they they think, oh, well, video, you know, maybe that's not for me. I, I just make products, right? I'm, I'm we, we love talking about cutting boards because everybody and their mother makes cutting boards or has made cutting boards. And, um, you know, you might think, oh, I, I make cutting boards. Video is not for me. But, uh, you know, that's not true. As we've talked about the Content Inc. approach in the past, uh, we, we want to spend a little bit of time today of just talking about some of the different styles uh, that you could go into and how do you add that to your toolkit and what do you need to do that? So why don't you start us off, John, and kind of jump into you know, where, where folks can start and kind of the different types of video that people might be thinking about. So uh, when it comes to types of video, you know, we're talking more on the conceptual aspect here on, on that, on what we consider to be your voice. And one, one of the big things um, when it comes to video production of any kind is finding that voice and finding that style that uh, fits, you know, what your mission is and what you're doing. Um, That, being whether you want to produce content in order to educate or you just want to show people what you're working on. Um, do you just feel the need to be entertaining, educating? Like that voice um, is something that that really matters as far as producing video um, because that's what's going to come across your audience and that's what's going to set your audience's expectation. So in what Brad was touching on in the Content Inc. style format for video, um, if you're producing products for sale, you know, video is still an amazing opportunity for you to create a voice around your products and not just solely be for the aspect of showing people how you make what you make, but more educating them on a lot of the aspects that go into it. And we'll jump into that um, a little bit later in the episode. But, you know, as far as the types of styles that go into um, the the voice creation aspect of producing video, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of ways to do it. Um, and we've kind of categorized these in the, in the, what we see in our space, uh, and as well as, um, you know, what our, uh, what our friends and, and acquaintances in the, in the business, uh, are doing in, in their own stylings as well. So, um, you know, like the first, the reason I got into video production was because one of my biggest influences was Jimmy DeResta. And I noticed how entertaining and cool it was to quote unquote, watch him work. Um, I got a lot of information out of the, you know, the way he was doing things. And that was helping me become a better builder and was also getting me inspired. Um, and Jimmy is kind of an outlier in his success being that he is killing it with the watch me work concept. Um, and, and that's basically like the, him just putting a camera on whatever he's doing and, and building, there's not really a lot of voiceover. There's not really a lot of, um, you know, educational aspect to those videos. It's more like, like we're titling this, just watch me work. Um, right. And, and there, there's some education there, but it's all like on your, like you said, you picked up tips watching it. It's not direct in your face. It's you seeing him be like, oh man, I can't believe like how he flipped that around. And when he made that, mm-hmm. he ganged all those pieces together to make that, you know, that complex bandsaw cut or something like that, that you see it. And it's a, it's more of a hands off. It's just like, 
watching uh, somebody very good at what they do, do their work and being able to, you know, take what you can from it. Absolutely. And I, uh, and I got a, so many little tips, whether it was like um, how he, how he clamps certain things or how he uses wooden jigs for metal work. And there's just like a bunch of stuff in watching that type of content. Um, and I think with that type of content, you can be a little more rugged and, and, and rough around the edges. It doesn't have to be as refined and knowing Jimmy and being around him, he kind of has that run and gun uh, shooting feel to him. And a lot of the stuff that he shoots is on GoPros. Um, and a lot of it's handheld. That's why there's a lot of movement um, in his videos and it kind of it, all of his are uh, sped up um, and quote unquote time lapse style where everything he's doing is just quickly shot um, at, in a point and shoot format and then edited in post to be sped up and then stitched together. Um, he does do a little bit of transitions and stuff, which is done in post, but pretty much uh, a, a rough idea of what he's building. And then I know for his patrons, he actually does um, a voiceover walk voiceover for it, um, right. for, for his stuff. But I think what's great about the watch me work aspect of um, video production is the behind the scenes uh, parts of it can be super beneficial to, to anyone that's trying to one learn or two uh, see what happens in, you know, an item that you may be building for resale. Um, you know, if, if you're trying to justify a, a larger high price point on a product, showing what goes into it and how much detail and how much, um, uh, I guess, time is actually invested in the production of that, that's a perfect, perfect time for the watch me work um, with some, you know, music over it, you know, showing uh, you know, some pan shots of, say, your shop um, and then little details of what goes into things and boom, like kind of a highlight reel, I would call it for, for your builds. Right. Great, great option for client work as well. And I think that that's with like the, how rugged the watch me work concept is. I think it's a great opportunity for anybody to get into video production, right? Yeah, exactly. Where I think it would be beneficial is, uh, for somebody getting in new, who's like, I, ah, you know, I don't want to be on camera. And I see these People, uh, you know, giving all these explanations and doing these things and talking to the camera. Well, you don't have to do this. So this would be a great step for somebody coming in new uh, who are, are just for somebody who wants to dabble into it, but not really do a whole lot of effort. You know, not, there's not a lot of pre-planning. You just go in and work. Uh, you get a tripod. You set it up. I, I know, like you said, Jimmy used the GoPro. He uses some of the, the point and shoot cameras that I know he used for a long time. So this is you do not need you can do this with your cell phone. You do not need. Uh, you know, DSLR or a, a camcorder or any of that, you can go through and do this with, uh, you know, very inexpensive photography and videography equipment. Um, you know, a GoPro is even a nice addition, but you could do most of it on your camera if you've got the space. So setting that up and then you can just, you know, every whatever, 10 minutes or however long you change the angle, then you're speeding that up. So both the shooting side as well as the post-production side are very low, uh, you know, as far as uh, time and effort, and you don't have to go a lot into it. So I think that's a great first step, the watch me work. And and like you said, John, you know, so so why would we do this is you can then put that into your portfolio. So also, you know, when we're talking here, adding video to your toolkit, we're not talking, we're not saying go try to be a, a YouTuber. Uh, this could be great things just for small clips on your social media, small clips on your Facebook page. Like you don't have to show an entire build either. And you can see that kind of the trend out there right now, John and I are doing a lot of it, is just showing these little snippets. 
right? You're showing one process. So setting up your camera, uh, doing kind of a watch me work, whether it's a close up of your hands, uh, you know, I mean, like all these little things that are going off right now um, and doing really well. I know like uh, one of our patrons, Keith Johnson from KJ Sawdust, he had like, you know, a, a up close of him, like doing an insert, like screwing an insert, a threaded insert into a piece of wood. Uh, and, you know, it's like, yeah, hundreds of thousands or millions <laughs> and trillions of views. Right. It's like stuff like that. The small things uh, can go in and it just really works on social. So I think that's a great place for people to get into with a very uh, low barrier to entry from an equipment standpoint. Yes. And, and these are also great opportunities to showcase things that may seem second nature to you as the furniture maker, um, whether it's how you attach your tops. Or a little trick on it, like I just, I literally just posted folding my bandsaw blade. Or like if you're trimming, um, say, a 16th off of a board and you run your, um, run whatever your stock is against your saw blade and flex the blade slightly and then move it and cut it, like little things like that. Great tips and tricks to show how professional you are, one, and two, uh, and, and give a little bit of education to your community. Those work well, I think, both for a consumer and for a um, for a content producer, um, and and those are going to be kind of where your 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 videography is going to be geared towards. It's it's who's watching it, and in finding that voice, you know, you want to be able to make content for um, the type of people that are watching your stuff. So, watch me work. I'm definitely going to agree with you there, Brad. It's the it's a very low barrier to entry, super easy to get into, and it's a great start for anyone that's looking to. To begin the uh, journey into producing more uh, video for for whatever they're doing, um, you know, once you get once you get into it some more, and you and you really realize, you know, hey, I, I love, you know, I love educating or I love video production. Um, kind of the places you can begin to to go if you see uh, growth potential there are going to be um, like your pure detailed instruction type videos. Um, what we like to call more artistic uh, video production, and then kind of like the hybrid entertainment instruction videos. So there's a lots of places you can go, but but I I would I'd put my <laughs> I'd put some money on saying that most of the people that are producing video full time, you know, all of us have at least started or tried the watch me work first, and then jumped into wherever we're going next. Yeah, and, and there's that next scale, and I know we've talked about it in the past, but there's that whole scale of uh education to entertainment right and then they kind of meet in the middle at the infotainment uh and infotainment infotainment yeah, that's right baby so when you when you look at that scale um you know you can go anywhere along there so like i said go into that next thing and, and the, the kind of the watch me work is is obviously more it's it's also a bit of a mix but then as you start adding things like voiceover so that next level of video and what you can add to your toolkit and the gear that you add. So John and I, uh, you know, both have our own styles. Uh, mine is more of a detailed instructional, like John talked about. I do the whole nine yards of the voiceover, kind of really explaining what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and providing tips and tricks along the way. Uh, and that's kind of where the niche that I've gotten into. And that's as a content creator. But at the same point, uh, I think there is space for that on the product side as well. And what they could spend, uh, you know, what you could spend more time doing is not necessarily showing how you're making it, but talking about why you're making it and talking about, uh, so if I if I made dining room tables, putting together the pieces, talk about how you select the lumber, why you select the certain pieces versus other pieces, and it adds to the structural integrity of it. 
as it adds to the style of it. Talk about grain matching. There's all these things that, uh, you know, you can go through the process and like you said, John, show showcase your skills and ability and knowledge and professionalism. And, and when some, if you're showing how you make a table and that is a, your calling card, it's your portfolio. So you can say, if somebody's interested, you can send them to the website. Hey, you want to know exactly what goes in this table? Here's this five minute video where I talk about, you know, I, I go through high level. You don't talk about the details of, you know, the measurements and all that of the process, but you talk about why you do things, the types of finish you use, you know, highlighting why this is a piece that's going to last for a hundred plus years in their family and they can pass it down and just get people excited about the product. And I think that these are, uh, this style of shooting with the detailed instructions is a great opportunity to differentiate yourself against your competition. Um, and that is going to be in more of the delivery. Like a lot of us are going to be doing things the same way, but if you're selling a product and you know that, you know, nobody else is showing off how, for instance, they fasten their tabletops down but that's an important part of what you do. And like, say you make your own custom buttons. Um, like I saw Sons of Sawdust do this a yep. while back. They had a bucket of buttons. I'm like, what are these things? And it's just how they fasten down their table and they make it a little bit of a story towards what they're doing. I was like, that's a brilliant piece of content. Um, it's going to make their um, consumer feel like they're a little more educated on what their table has involved in it. Um, and so little things like that are a great opportunity as far as a detailed instructional aspect of content creation um, that can add to the value for the consumer on product sales. Um, on the flip side of it, if your product is, say, plans or long form educational written content or like a subscription service for uh, you know learning to do something, um, that's another aspect where you can do the high level education stuff, like you said, Brad, with um, how something goes together and just leaving out you know specific measurements and whatnot. And, uh, and then make it something that drives towards your end game, which would be whatever that digital product or that product might be that on your own to end on your website. Um, and that's, and that's, you know, that's what a lot of us do, um, with plant sales. And I know that's where you're super successful, Brad, but I think that the brilliance in it is mimicking that, um, I guess that high level educational aspect with the quality of the video you're putting out there, right? Uh, like the, anyone that's killing it, I think with the educational, um, detailed educational and instructional content, they also have a very refined and reformed visual aspect to their video. Do they not? Right. Yeah, they do. And I, I, I like what you're saying there as far as if you think about a video as a sales funnel too, right? We talk about the sales funnel. If you think about video, it's, it's the same thing. It's the widest point of your sales funnel in the sense that, uh, you're showing either on a product side or a content side. Like John said, this is a, a representation of how you work, what you do. Uh, you know, anything that's going to go on YouTube is obviously going to be free content. So you're, you, you'll get some ad revenue off that. But uh, that next level is, you know, there's going to be a certain portion of the audience that just watches that and moves on. And they've digested that as entertainment. But there's going to be another portion that, you know, you talk about it. And then at the end, you know, you should have a call to action. If you're a product person, the call to action. If you want to, you know, order your own table, you can go check out my website, send them there. For me, if you want to build your own DIY dresser, I have plans available on my website. Boom, they go there, right? So that's that piece that, you know, that's what you're trying to do. You're using video as a tool for your business to drive your sales funnel. And, you know, also it's a great branding, brand awareness tool, like you said. And part of that branding is the style that you talked about, John, and, and that people, as they start seeing more of your videos, 
they're going to see that and go, oh, yeah, that's that's John, because I know his intro. That's John, because I, I know the style that he does. There's a there's a floating head sitting on a bandsaw. That must be John. <laughs> yes. And I think the um, I th- and I think the quality of the production level too mimics um, certain aspects of those brand identification, you know, things that go into video as well. So, um, for instance, you know, Mark Spagnuolo, the Wood Whisperer has a very highly produced channel. Um, and that's because he's a very high level educational content producer. Um, so when he's showing you how to do something, you know, it's always well lit. It's extremely high resolution. Um, and the, you know, the voiceover is extremely clear when he's speaking in front of the camera. It, it's not as rugged or um, rough around the edges as that whole watch me work aspect. So with that, you know, it's going to come an increase in the quality of your production equipment. Um, and that's going to be more this this type of content. You should be leaning more towards using a tripod with your with your video shooting, um, something that's going to make sure it's extremely steady and easy for whomever's consuming it um, to 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 know what's happening in the shot. Um, if you're doing voiceover, you want that to be crystal clear, um, something that is easily digestible. That way, um, you know, you're not hearing background noise or you're not hearing, you know, like for me, for instance, cars rolling by or a bunch of muffled sounds. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, the, I guess the, the investments are going to be in, you know, a higher level, uh, a higher level tripod, um, a voiceover mic, a lavalier mic, these type of things bode very well, I think, to the detailed instructional video style. Yeah. Yeah. And because that's what it is, right. In the detailed, it's more about the voice too. So you don't want that. You don't want to be recording on camera, uh, using your on camera microphone. You want to have, and this this actually goes in. Uh, so last week we talked about the Canon T6. Uh, we did a little more edu- uh, research into that. So that is not a good camera if you want to be doing educational content. That is not a good camera for video because that one actually does not have an audio input. It also does not have an articulating screen that a lot of the Canons do. Uh, whereas the T6i, and we'll have a link down below in that as the the difference. But the T6i has uh, an input for an external audio source which could be, like you said, John, a, you know, a lavalier or a shotgun mic or something where you're you're trying to up that quality versus you would not need to do that if you're just doing a uh, point and shoot, you know, run and gun type thing. But then the, the last point of this before we kind of move into some of the platform specific stuff is also the artistic side. So this is more content. And again, still the product side, because uh, artistic, you see a lot of um, kind of telling the story of your brand. So some of the people that that do artistic and kind of on on different sides of the spectrum, uh, Laura Camp does amazing work. Her videography is just so on point. It is really well done. Uh, she has a background in, in videography and it shows. Uh, she just makes really unique stuff and just everything about her is just all the different shots and the cuts. But she does not do any voiceovers. That is all kind of it's it's watch me work, but in a very artistic kind of way. Uh, the flip side of that would be, you know, like a Dave Picciuto on a make something, whereas his is more artistic, but it's more about his personality. So it's it's less about the work, even though he shows a lot of the work, but it's very much about his personality and his interaction, uh, you know, with his buddy and cameraman and, and what they're doing. And so it's more of a fun, artistic entertainment style. Laura's is more of an artistic entertainment style. So, uh, you know, with very cinema, cinema graphic cinematographic yeah cinematic <laughs> cinematic yeah yeah there you go very cinematic feel to it so you can you can see as you look at some of these different channels 
but the uh, the cinematic stuff works very well. You've all seen the the kind of the story videos, right? Like those intros, like this is our brand and it tells the story of the brand and it might show you walking into your shop, you know, with that backlit shot with a sawdust coming up through the sunlight, you know, you're rolling up the shop door in slow-mo. Like those are also, there's some some good ways to to get a cinematic shot of uh, to, of your story, of your brand. And that is kind of the teaser that you see out there for a lot of these that you might have on your website. That might be on the splash page of your website, like, or your about me page. Yeah, that this is the story of how, you know, JM Custom Builds became Metal and Wood US or, or whatever. Uh, that, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to integrate some of that higher level stuff. And a lot of people will bring in crews to do that or just, you know, a, not a crew necessarily, but a videographer locally and to make those shots. But you could also do those yourself if you have that equipment as well. Yeah, the the artistic video is gonna, definitely going to be more that storytelling stuff. And I think the one thing you touched on is um, more using a more dynamic look, like a more dynamic shot style. Um, and with that, there's some equipment that definitely bodes well. Um, you know, I have a slider. I think uh, sliding shots, you know, the, those can become extremely cinematic and they are, I think, used very well in an artistic aspect. Um, from an educational standpoint, they work, but if they work on more of a broad spectrum, like you're not going to take a slider shot of um, something that needs to be a focal point of the video. Like if something is extremely detailed, you don't want to be moving past it in a slider shot. You want it to be focused right there. But, you know, getting a pan shot of you standing at the table saw, sawing down 64 different parts for a carcass build, like, you know, those are cool opportunities to be a little bit more artistic and add that more dynamic shot to it. Um, So, you know, these are this is where you're going to be using a lot more sliders. Um, There's like a geared. So this is this. I don't know what these are called, but I have it's called a Serp Genie and we'll have a link to it. And it's in it's actually in our kit um, on madeforprofit.com. But it's a geared motor that moves the camera while uh, it's on the tripod. So it looks like somebody else is shooting, but it's not me specifically actually moving the camera. It's it's, you know, uh, on a pan head. Um, that type of stuff it can be really, really cool for the artistic voice, um, as well as, you know, starting to shoot from weird angles. You know, uh, if you're doing educational content, you don't probably don't want the camera on the floor taking a shot of you, you know, rolling your cabinet across uh, the shop. It doesn't add any educational value. It's more entertaining or artistic, like you said. So, um, you know, starting to change up your angles in, in your shots to get things that are more you know, cool looking, quote unquote. Um, and that kind of tell a story. I think the, this is kind of like where I float. Like I would love to be just a purely artistic <laughs> videographer, but I'm just not artistic in the full form. Like I, I think it, I think this is the part of videography that takes a lot of time to learn um, right. because you have to be a good storyteller to be just a pure artistic videographer, I think. Um, yeah, you know, and there's a lot of B-roll in that action too, yeah. right? I mean, that, and that's you do a lot of good B-roll, and that's, uh, you know, that's a huge difference between your stuff and my stuff. Is that uh, my stuff is very like everything I'm shooting, like there's a point to it because I'm showing a step. Uh, but I think that you do you you you're you know you're way better than I am on that artistic side. So like having that B-roll and having like that cinematic shot of something that's not necessarily showing the progress of the of the uh, of the project, or it's just showing it a different angle. Like you said, like, you know, something like rolling the, rolling it across the steps. So it's like, Oh, I'm not doing anything, but here's, here's where I'm going in the next step. And like, it's just showing, like you said, it's, it's the story of the project and this, this more of the story of how you work too. Right. 
Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of brands that are starting to use this artistic storytelling voice to their advantage. Um, and, and it gives a, I guess it gives a more tangible feel to their products. Like, um, uh, like, like apparel companies will use this a ton, I think, to just show a lot of lifestyle aspects of their products, to show, you know, someone walking through a field or swinging an axe, wearing their shirt or whatever it might be. And it's that like subtle brand identification. And then at the end, they wrap it up with their logoing, but they tell a story of the individual and what they're doing and who's doing it. Um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity in this um and it's it's difficult to make it your staple video content i think but to use it um you know here and there to tell us like tell a story on a specific piece or to tell a story about a moment you're at in your life like uh, or your business itself like this can be a valuable asset in order to draw attention to your full brand overall that whole artistic um cinematic type of of shot style or you can just be, you know, Laura and, and be an absolute beast and be able just to dominate. do a super artistic story <laughs> for everything happening. But like, I think that that's a trained and learned skill. And and I think these are all things you, you, you know, progress towards in the end. Like, like I know you say I, I do a, you think I do a better job than you do at B-roll and such, but like your interview series, um, you did a, it was a, a really different oh, yeah, aspect of what you're, yeah, what you're doing. Um, and I think that you did a fantastic job and that's more of like your artistic, um, storytelling type because you were literally telling Alf's story. Um, so, I mean, it's there in both ends, but like Brad said, when you have your, when you have your brand voice and your identity, you want to make sure that your, your style of what you're doing and your video production fits it. Um, and like for Brad to just all of a sudden jump into like his, this dresser build, if you were to jump into telling the story of the dresser and like the grain matching front and why you and like well, I, I just go pure salimony. Yeah, you go pure salimony. <laughs> it would be very different than what your people identify with your brand is. Um, and and it would I think it would work, but it would it would just you could see the difference there and how his audience could become confused. And I also think that this is kind of uh you know, why the message of what you're trying to do with your video needs to be something you're considering as well as the voice you want to have. You know, for myself, I've always struggled with what I want my brand message to be. Do I want to be entertaining? Do I want to be educational? Do I want to be artistic? And because of that, my audience has no clue what to expect. And some people win with that type of format, but a lot of people don't. Um, and that's because you're setting like a false expectation for your audience. And if you want to be in pure content production, it's not good. I mean, Brad and I basically went into YouTube with like at the same similar times, I would say. I mean, I think I was a little bit earlier than you were. But, you know, Brad found his voice immediately, knew what he wanted his message to be and knew what his target goal was for the end of it. And his channels doubled in the growth that mine has in the same period of time because mine's kind of confused and all over the place. So as far as I guess like a, a market study, you can see that myself and Brad both doing content creation, um, where as far as numbers and growth goes, you know, he knew from the beginning, he had a plan on what his voice was and what his message was. Um, and he drives people to that and continues to be consistent with it and gets better in that aspect. You know, you could definitely go and tell a story and be great at that, but your brand message, it wouldn't really fit. So as far as when you want to incorporate video into what you're doing with your business, make sure that you're um, taking into consideration what your voice is and is your message on point um, for product people. Like we said, tell a story, show people behind the scenes, 
you know, establish your expertise and use those things to your advantage. Um, if you want, if you start to get into the educational aspect on showing people how to build your stuff and your audience is full of consumers and not, you know, people that are trying to learn woodworking, for instance, <laughs> there's going to be a very confused line of how do you like what your audience is. Um, and, and, what, and, yeah. and you could see how that could become an issue. So, you know, we want to make it crystal clear here that your message is a hugely important part to um, getting into video production. Yeah. And I think from the product side, and I was just sitting, as, as we're sitting here talking about the cinema, cinema, I keep wanting to say cinemagraphic, the cinematic aspect of it. Uh, I've not really seen anybody do this and maybe I have, and maybe I'm just thinking like TV shows or something, but I could see like that whole instruction, uh, not instructional, but um, you know, kind of informational about how you build the product from someone who's doing product, someone who's making tables. I would love to see a video where somebody makes the table uh, you know, kind of goes over why the table is so awesome uh, from, you know, like I said, the wood they use, the grain, the finish, the techniques um, and educating about that. And then put that into like to make a full cus- a full customer build, a full commission build, and then have the end of that video be taking that to somebody's house, installing it in the, you know, placing it in the house, whatever. And then beyond that, Having in this, you know, you be staged or whatever, but having like a, a, a vignette of a dinner party, right? So it's like your table is sitting there and then there's, you know, some B-roll of them like setting the table and then, you know, having people coming over there and just enjoying drinks and food and just gathering around the table. Because the message that you're that you're trying to get again as the product sales is like here when you buy this product, here's what you're going to get, not just the product. But here's the lifestyle and the experience you're going to get with this product. And I think that uh, things like dining room furniture are great about that. And we've talked about that. You've talked about that, John, that, you know, that you love doing tables because that's where conversations happen. That's where life happens. Like life happens around furniture and tables because that's where you hang out in your kitchen, in your dining room, in your living room. Like, I think that would be a really awesome way. I'm just like, I don't know. I just saw this like vision in my head of this, like this whole B-roll sequence, of like the table coming in and it's just like showing, you know, what, and again, it's, it's a little more commercializing it and sensationalizing it a bit, but just showing the significance of a piece of furniture and like how life happens around your product. Right. And it's like, Hey, you get this table and here's what you could do. Like this, this, this could be your amazing party. And you could be enjoying these delicious Bud Lights right now. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's a great way to um, to sell people an experience over a product. Um, yes. So, and that's not that difficult, to be honest. You just Once you get into a rhythm, you can just start showing people more and more of what's going on. Um, but in what Brad's saying, you know, the difficulty there, make sure the clients are comfortable with you, you know, shooting in their home or whatever that is. Yeah, you you'd have to obviously to do that, set like, that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't just roll in like with your camera. What's up? Let's get this thing recorded. Yeah. But, but even like small stuff, right? Especially smalls. Like you could do your own thing. If you're having small thing, like you got a charcuterie board, you got a cutting board. Like after you're done, go bake a thing of homemade bread and bring it out or, you know, whatever. Go get it from from Kroger, throw it in the oven. And then like the end of the video is you chopping up some meat and cheese or some bread. And like, you know, you could do all that stuff easily in your own setting, in your own house. You don't need a whole party of, of folks, but I, I think there's so, you know, going that extra step in showing the experience of the product instead of just being like, boom, here's a table, 
you know, go buy it. It's like, boom, here's a table. And oh, this could be you enjoying these fine meats and cheeses. Yeah, I think it's a great, great way to sell experience as well. Um, I think someone that does an awesome job with it is our former guests, you know, the, the Black Forest guys. Um, they do an incredible job from a product standpoint of selling an experience on social media and with video production. I mean, they're doing everything, everything behind the scenes. You get to see um, the installations. You get to see uh, like theories on joinery. Like they're talking about um, finishing lots and lots and lots of resin pouring epoxy. <laughs> uh, but that was a huge, like that was a, so that was a massive opportunity for them. When we spoke to them, you know, they were like, this is catching on quick. You know, people are now identifying us with being the resin pour guys. And now they're selling as much furniture with resin in it as they're selling uh, raw resin to for resale. So like you can see how massive opportunity came from them producing video around things they were already doing. Um, and then, as far as uh, people seeing it in in the customer basis, you know they became more entertained by it, and now you know they wanted tables made by Black Forest with resin pours in them, um, and so they did a really good job from a product standpoint. I think of bringing video into their, um, I guess, into their marketing playbook um, and using it as a uh, as a drive for sales, which is what most of most of our listeners want to do. You know, you want to give people an opportunity to buy your stuff. Um, but you also want to produce cool content around it. And I think they're a great example. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're crushing it on that and they really do. And they do it on all sides of it too, because they've been, because they do offer instructional classes as well on site at their, you know, at their, um, shop and, you know, they'll have behind the scenes of doing the guitar making class or like a intro to epoxy resin or like, you know, all these different things where they, where they show all those, um, you know, another one that does a great job of it is Paul from Canadian Woodworks doing what he does, the chairman, the chair making class. And he's always highlighting that and he's highlighting the slabs that he sells. So using the video to show those those experiences, uh, those techniques, all those things, it just it just takes it to that next level from photography. And we've been talking about for a long time, especially on Instagram, how video is is king and video really goes further than pictures uh, because obvious, right? If a picture tells a thousand words, well, you know, a video tells 10,000. Like a video gives you even more because you can get the whole experience and not just the point in time. And so as as we go into this, I think that's where, you know, we'll talk about the voice and stuff. We'll hit into kind of what John and I have been doing and how ours has changed a little bit. And then also I'll, I want to hit on, uh, we'll talk about post-production. So we'll talk about how we've changed in the gear because I know we talked about video production basics back in episode 23. And so we went over a lot of the, the technical aspects and the things we use. So that's we didn't want to really hit on that. But we did think it would be good to kind of talk about those things that have changed since then and how we've integrated them into our own toolkit and, you know, the video production that we do. So, John, I know you talked about adding in uh, the slider and the gimbal and uh, or excuse me, the slider. And, and I know you just recently got a gimbal, uh, but. One of the things that I added in that I think has really helped me uh, and because I used to do the handheld shot was getting a fluid head tripod. So I got the the Manfrotto. I think I got the blah, 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 290. And um, so a fluid head tripod is where it basically, uh, you know, there's there's a, a fluid mechanism in the turning of the camera and the panning left to right, as well as the panning up and down. And what it does is it just smooths out everything. So what I used to do is, for my beauty shots, 
Uh, or if I was just like, I would never pan during the build or like if I was going to show a shot or so I just do like a close up. But, uh, for the beauty shots, I would like, you know, do the whole, like, uh, hold it close to my chest and then like squat up and down to try to get that, you know, nice fluid <laughs> up and down view or left to right. And it would always be like super jittery. Uh, but this fluid head tripod is you just do it. It's just like butter. It's just super smooth and you can just pan up and down. Uh, and it, it's just, it's a, it's a small thing. But I think it's also something that just adds that level of polish. And I've really enjoyed that. Uh, and as well, it's just a really good tripod. It's a lot better than, you know, we, I think we linked out last week to, we said, just get a basic tripod. I still have one of those, which I use for like my Instagram lives and those things. Uh, but it's just, it's not as stable. It's a little bit more clunky. And, you know, it's not as easy to uh, do like a weird position that these Manfrotto tripods, it's got three individual legs that are not connected. So you can make one bigger or longer. So I could, you know, throw one leg out super far and have the other two for, to have like a, a cool angle or something like that. So that one has been a, a really nice addition to my video uh, toolkit and having the ability to kind of smooth out those shots. Yeah. And I have one as well. Um, and you're right. It, it makes a massive difference. And I, I think for anyone doing content production or, product uh sales in in, in distribution because those are the the little things that the eye catches that it, uh, you don't know why something's awesome but it is you know like <laughs> a buttery right. smooth pan shot of a finished product you know think about it in this sense if you are already taking photographs of your products um once you finish them move from the to the next stage in video and take a 10 second clip of you panning left to right over the video over the product you know on one angle and then panning up and down on another and then a corner detail same thing pan across and then uh an out an out zoom another 10 seconds of you zooming out from it and then a fade to your logo um and those four shots can now become a 30 to 40 second teaser for you on your quote unquote you know whatever table coffee table line that you're now releasing. And that honestly might have taken you another three to five minutes after you took your photographs to shoot. Um, and you could see how that could easily become something that is involved in your portfolio. That's just a whole nother level of um, the sales aspect of, of what you're selling with, especially when you're pushing people um, on a digital aspect to see your products. Um, you know, if, if, so with that, you know, the, the, I guess the fluid motion tripod is a huge, huge upgrade from your, your lower level, cheaper type tripods. I'm in the same boat, dude. I have like, I'll, I'll put my cheap tripod, I put my slider on it. Um, and then I stick it on something else. Cause I have a five foot slider and, uh, and it, you just don't get that nice fluid motion in it. Um, I guess the, the other aspect of it is if you're in content production is going from, to the wireless workshop, you know, all of us are going wireless tools. Well, there's a lot of wireless options for camera and video production as well. And I think the wireless lab is a huge addition to anyone in content production. If you're shooting on a shotgun mic or with a wired lavalier or even a, um, a secondary recording lavalier, you know, those wireless labs that are um, on the camera body themselves mount to the top, you know, you're huge, huge value adds um, yeah. for anyone doing content production. Yeah, I recently upgraded mine. I think the last time we had talked in the video production, I had I had gone to um, to one, and then uh, it was the Sennheiser EW one twelve for the gearheads out there, and um, and then but that one's more like you have to, you, you select the channels and all those. I actually went to the next level of one, which is even easier. It's the Sennheiser AVX, which is more expensive, obviously, um, but 
it is so nice. You literally, you turn it on, you turn the other one on. And this is like, I do it here. I do it anywhere else. It does like an auto scan of the channels and it sets all that for you. So again, you know, as you move through these gears, uh, as you upgrade in, in the gear, the, the whole idea is that, you know, as a content creator, the same thing. Like if you think about it from a production standpoint, like think about the tools that you bought just to make things easier, to make setup faster. You you invest in the more expensive tools. It's the same exact thing on the content side. So somebody might look at it and be like, holy Moses, like that. And I don't even know, like I, I didn't buy it new, but new, I think that wireless lab is like, I don't know, it's like 800 bucks. It's a, it's a lot. Oh, they're game changers, but you're right. But they're an investment. It, it is, but it's like, when you look at it, it's like every time I use that, it is, I literally touch the button, turn, turn on the receiver, turn on the transmitter and I'm done. I don't have to ever worry about it cutting out uh, where, where the ED, EW112, sometimes like there, I'd have to change channels because there's interference through, you know, whatever, different wireless channels and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes you'll get some static and, and other things that are not good. Uh, but with this one, it is set and forget. And that's going to pay it back over time because I just never have to worry about it. And that works every single time. Uh, I know, you know, you have, I think, the road one that works great, too. Um, but that, those are the things like I think that as you go into as you go into upgrade your camera and that's what I did is I started looking at what am I spending the time on? Mm-hmm. And it was me spending time on trying to get that fluid shot. And I would, I would, you know, shoot twice as long and it would still not be the quality I want. So look at either what you're spending time on or what the quality is not what you want it to be. And that's where you should be investing your money next. And for me, that tripod filled that gap and upgrading to that wireless love mic. Uh, filled that gap for me. So I think that's, but in the same thing for you, John, right on the lens, like we talked about your lens that you upgraded to last time. And that was the same thing. You're like, okay, I had this 18 to 135, but you know, I just don't love the fact that it's not a fixed aperture. So I'm going to upgrade, right? Because you wanted better quality and, and ease of using that product. Yeah. And I also wanted to get those uh, beautiful uh, bokeh shots with that 50 millimeter at uh, 1.4 um, so when I upgraded to wanting to increase my, 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 uh, you know, photographs for my, uh, I guess my portfolio, that was something I wanted to focus on. And I took that step and I actually bought those in a kit, um, and got pretty lucky there, you know, going, I guess going back to the type of movement. So here's the, ne- the next step of it, like, what do you want to increase? If you want to increase the cinematic or dynamic aspects of your, your video production, uh, the movement is one thing that's going to immediately add that to whatever you're shooting, right? I mean, like Brad said, a beauty shot, you can hold the camera tight to your body and try to get a nice stable shot and hope that it doesn't look shaky and handheld. But this is uh, if, if this is something you want to add to your, uh, your arsenal, you're going to want to be looking into investing in some of the products that are made for um, those specific things, uh, like a gimbal. What a gimbal does is it stabilizes the camera using motors and some of them you can actually diy these there's some pretty cool options but um they use counterbalances weights and motors to hold the camera still so when you're moving around it's just nice and smooth um another thing is going to be a slider what a slider is is the track for the camera to go on that you can um, have it pan across and it's going to be a steady flow um excuse me it's going to be like it's going to move in a direction that's nice and smooth um and it's so they're typically uh straight um, and so 
what a lot of sliders, um, what a lot of sliders are used for, you'll see like shots coming in and out. They're moving the whole camera and they're not zooming the lens. Um, and you'll see like on huge <laughs> videos production sites, um, they're like on sandbags and they're ridiculously stable and they're sliding the camera. Um, and you know, then they have cranes and stuff, but like in its simplest form, the slider can be a really, really cool tool for adding some dynamic shots to what you're doing. And, uh, and there's super easy way you could DIY slider yeah, you can, with some absolutely. conduit and some skateboard yep. wheels. Yeah. If you go, yep. If you go on YouTube, there are absolutely, uh, tons of videos on DIY sliders that you can make, uh, that are great for that panning shot too. So there's a difference too. So, uh, and that's kind of a good thing to talk about, John, is that those are all different looks. So like on my fluid head, on my tripod, that is a pan, it is a fluid pan, but it's a fluid pan from one point of view. So that'll just be like you standing in one position, looking all the way to your left and then scanning across and looking to your right just by turning your head. Uh, a slider would be more like you looking at one thing and then kind of, you know, shimming to the right, like walking to the right while still looking at the same thing. So, you know, that those, but those give you two very different, um, views and looks. And so, you know, incorporating that's, and that's one thing, John, that, you know, you have all those different ones to work into. So it's like, you know, you get the slider, you get the zoom and adding more dynamic shots. It just, it, it's one of those things you said it before, John, it's like, it's not in your face, but after you get done watching the video, you're like, that was really well done. Like, it's just, it, it keeps you engaged. It's just different. It's completely, uh, it's a completely subtle thing. But when a viewer is watching that and it's just a point of interest, it's intrigue. And whether you're doing content or product, those things are, are going to add to the production value of your content. Yeah. And those are where you're going to want to be focusing on. Like, do you want to show, you know, more artistic angles, you know, then you might want to invest here. Do you want to up your audio quality? Then you're going to want to invest here. And, uh, and for Brad and myself, you know, obviously being any of us that are making things, all of us love tools. Like we want better tools. All of us want to have the <laughs> highest and stuff, right? Well, once you get into video, like I promise you, this is the same thing. Like you're going to want to start upgrading lenses and camera bodies and all the gear and stuff that goes along with it. I remember talking to one of our buddies. I won't call him out because this is, I always bring the story up to him. It's pretty funny. But, uh, <laughs> I bought my slider and I was all about it. Obviously my first video with the slider was just sliding everywhere. Like there was just slides all over the place, but, yes. and, um, and he made a comment and then, uh, it was like, you know, I, I blah, 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 yada, yada, whatever. And then, uh, <laughs> then he went and bought one and now he's using it in his videos and he was like, dude, I completely take that comment yeah. back. Like this he thing was is like awesome. sliders are for, why do you need a slider? That's ridiculous. And then, yeah, that's, yeah. No, so, it's a, a uh, and he does a lot of <laughs> educational content and it, it works great. I mean, he incorporated the it's dynamic fantastic. shot into his workflow and his voice and his message and really crushed it and knocked that usage out of the park. Um, so I'm, we're not saying that, you know, if you want to, you know, be like a, a, a wood whisperer and super educational that you can't use dynamic videography, just make sure that it fits what you're doing. Um, you know, panning out from a saw blade on a slider um, in order to teach someone how to cut a uh, rabbit, it's like, is probably not going to be as effective as, right. you know, sh uh, the, when you're joining 20 pieces, having the slider run across the screen and just show that you're joining, um, those kind of things. So there's definitely ways to use it. And I think what's great is that once you start learning your workflow, then you can start to go and do a lot of this stuff in post-production as well. Um, you know, where you can start doing color grading and text overlays and you, you can get even get 
crazy Jay Bates style and start talking to yourself in your videos. Uh, dude, it's, yeah. So post production is a whole is a whole another place where you can differentiate yourself and have your own style. And Jay is just like the master. Uh, like he, just dude, I was I've always loved his yesterday. videos. <laughs> I, I saw your story. I, I've always loved his videos. In the past, you know, he started off. He would edit to the beat. Uh, his videos and you know the driving his screws to the beat and changing things. Then he started adding. I think he actually he got Premiere, I believe, is is what he still uses. Uh, so the Adobe Suite, he used Premiere, and then he started adding kind of the text overlay, and he'd add kind of the funny things and like hidden messages in the video. Uh, and then now he's kind of progressed to this, yeah, the the masking and having two of himself, and now he's having a conversation with himself. Uh, Paul Jackman, our buddy, does an amazing job at this too. Yeah. That you know, in like Frank Howarth, in the way that he edits and posts, is he's just a magician. And so, even if you don't have the best camera equipment, there's a lot of things you can do to differentiate as well in post. And I think John, you hit on on two of them that uh, that I've also been adding to my toolkit is like the adjustment layers and and the color grading. So if if the coloring is not what you want it to be in your shop, just like we mentioned in photography, and we've talked about Lightroom and Photoshop. You can do the same thing in video. So, you know, getting a high end, and I, I won't say high end, I'll just say one. So I, I don't believe you can, well, I will not, I'm not going to speak to it because I don't know iMovie, but iMovie, I don't know. Can you color grade and do all those things in iMovie, John? Or no, is that sure. only in, I, I don't know either, but I'm assuming you you probably have something limited and and I'm sure you can't mask. Um, I'm actually not sure of that either, but I'm just assuming. So, but that, because it's lower end. So something iMovie, it's a free software, uh, any of these low grade free softwares, you know, or something that's, you know, 50 bucks and under, it's going to get you the basics. But as you upgrade into Premiere, which is both what John and I use, and then Final Cut uh, Pro is that for, and that's for Mac, is that it gives you all these different options about color grading, adding adjustment layers, adding LUTs or, or lookup tables uh, and floating text and tracking. And you can really, really, really start getting dynamic in what you do in post-production. So that's an area that I'm, I continue to learn on, uh, but uh, you know it's something that I would highly recommend to spend some time just you know watching YouTube videos on that, and there are YouTube videos on all that stuff, right? So go in there, check those out, and start learning that because that is that is going to help you. You know, don't don't rely on all the equipment because if you have the best equipment but you can't edit worth a darn, it's not going to help you out. Learn all the transitions, you know, learn the different tips and techniques out there. And it's going to help make your stuff better. And you'll notice as you go, as you go along, you know, your, your video will change and you'll just keep getting better. You'll get better equipment and you'll get better edits. And that's just kind of the, the way it goes as any, as you become a better woodworker, you also in the same way, become a better film producer and video maker. Yeah, I definitely would suggest learning editing before you start upgrading gear. Cause that's something you and I both of us have made the kind of, I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but both of us kind of jumped into gear a little bit ahead of editing. And now we're coming back to like, you know, using Skillshare and using um, you know, editing uh, educational tools to get better on that aspect. And it can add a lot more value quickly to your video production than buying a better lens or buying a better camera um, or buying a slider or whatever it might be. Um, you know, everything from like Brad said to color grading and transitions to text overlay, like text overlay is a huge um, value add to anyone doing educational stuff, um, especially if you're posting on, say, Facebook, you know, uh, for right. for someone who is posting on a content platform that doesn't 
have as much audio consumption. Um, you need people to know what you're doing, you know, throw some text overlay on there. And you can get super creative with that stuff. Um, and that is a great aspect of um, your, I guess your, whatever your message is trying to come across as that doesn't involve any investment in the, in new equipment that you can just sit down for a couple hours and learn um, how to do, you know, cool text overlay and, and transition incorporation. Yeah, even and in free boom, stuff. Yeah. Boom. And you have a much better video um, at the end there. So don't be intimidated by all of our chatter about gear. Cause we love gear um, <laughs> and equipment, but you can get really good at what you're doing um, with some super simple additions and upgrades to uh, the cell phone. And, and just moving into shooting on a DSLR or with a, with a GoPro. Um, and I, even like Jimmy, for instance, Jimmy's still shooting on the same stuff. And his, uh, his vlogs are super well done now um, with his transitions and how he's shooting. And he shoots to music and he adds some uh, really cool parts to it that didn't used to exist. Um, and it's just getting a little bit better in post-production. And I think that's all it was for him was just sitting down and learning it. Because the dude's a, the dude's a savant come, when it comes to learning anything. I feel like he knows everything. But uh, he added that to it, and I think it's a I think it's a really cool addition that is on brand and fits well. Um, that didn't involve any investment in, in equipment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think it's kind of been a, a a good overview and wrap of like you know thinking about video, adding video to your brand and your toolkit, and some of the things to think about through the style, through what message you're trying to do, how you're trying to put it on the platform, and some of the gear and tips along the way. So. We'll have links down below uh, or in the show notes to all the different things. Uh, again, most of those are in our kit, but we'll have a few of those specific links as well to the things that we talked about today. And yeah, I mean, we'd love to just see that uh, continue to go. So as you guys are putting those out there, make sure you're sharing them with us on social. If, you've, if you're putting out some teaser videos, um, you can always use the, the MFP beauty shot hashtag. I know we haven't talked about the hashtags in a while, but we still de definitely track those, the MFP behind the scenes and the MFP beauty shot. And uh, I think we were going to say we we're going to add another one, like MFP video. So if you guys want us to have that, do, do an MFP video hashtag. Put it on there and we'll, we'll search for that. We'd love to see the stuff you're putting out there on social, uh, especially on Instagram. But right now we're going to go ahead and head over to our after show and uh, talk with our patrons over there and answer some questions that they had specifically about video production as well. So, John, why don't we head on over, brother? Let's crush it, dude. So thank you guys for checking out the show. If you'd like any more information, you can head over to madeforprofit.com. We'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for. There you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content. If you're digging the show, we'd love to get a five-star review over on iTunes and we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any other questions or suggestions, you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions. You can hit us up on Instagram at Made for Profit, where we will be answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks. So once again, we really want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode.